When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you solutions and shortcuts for making your life happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we'll talk about how to help our families and ourselves develop good back-to-school habits, and we'll talk to the terrific Marie Forleo about her new book, Everything is Figureoutable. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft my sister, the sage. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles. And Rich, I don't know if I'm a sage, but I, I try to at least um, be somewhat insightful. <laughs> You're my sage. I mean, Elizabeth, <laughs> I am so excited because we are getting together live and in person. And, you know, usually we're like across the country from each other, but we're going to go on the road. Yes, we are touring with Happier Hour, an evening with Gretchen and Elizabeth. We um, are going to a lot of cities. Tickets are now on sale for San Francisco, Seattle, Portland, Kansas City, our hometown, Chicago, Providence, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Charlotte, and Brooklyn. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, and there's more that are like that are coming. So um, get all the information, buy tickets. Any information that you want is at GretchenRubin.com slash events. You can come see our disembodied voices live on stage. Um, We are will really be there talking. Um, People often say it's a little weird um, to see our voices coming out of our faces. We will have slides, embarrassing slides. And if you want to make sure that you get notified about whatever's coming up in your city, sign up for my newsletter at GretchenRubin.com slash hashtag newsletter, unfortunate but true. Um, And you will get um, any updates that you need through that. And Gretchen, we should mention we have um, like 50 VIP tickets available for each event, uh, but those tend to go fast. So don't dally. Yes, we cannot wait. Please come bring your friends. 
Um, now, before we uh, jump into the the uh, try this at home for this week, we wanted to have an update. Yes, Gretchen, we got a great email from Paul making some observations about obligers and accountability. He says, I'm a PhD student in economics, and this summer I've been teaching Econ 101 online. For the last homework assignment, I asked my students to think of a business that they thought could benefit from price discrimination. Price discrimination is when a firm charges two people a different price for the same good or service. It sounds bad, but in this context, it refers to senior discounts, student discounts, or buying items in bulk to get a better deal. One student mentioned the idea of a gym charging a lower rate to people who were members for longer than a year. That way, people are encouraged to keep their memberships. I immediately thought of how you've said that obligers can make themselves accountable to their future selves and thought this would be a good way of keeping obligers motivated to go to the gym. I would alter the student's ideas so that the discount would apply to gym members who have visited 150 times. That's three times per week for about a year. It also reminded me of a lesson from my macroeconomics class last fall when we learned about hyperbolic discounting and the gym that offered people two membership options, pay $10 a visit or pay $70 a month for unlimited visits. Almost everyone chose to pay $70, but then only visited on average five times per month. Ha ha. <laughs> Hyperbolic discounting guarantees that you will always go to the gym tomorrow, but the idea of providing a discount after 150 visits means that obligers couldn't buy a membership and then proceed to never visit for a year. They would have to earn the discount. <laughs> This is great. We really thought about this. Yes, I love the PhD in economics coming to this. It's a great example, though, of how setting up things differently can uh, change people's behavior and how um, different structures could appeal differently to different tendencies. Um, I, do, I think it's really smart to think this through. And it might be for different businesses, they would think, oh, well, we really want to appeal to this group or that group, or we want to have different different structures that might help people go to the gym or stick to their habits um, by the way we set up the accountability and the, and the pricing. Yeah. So I'll tell the gym in my neighborhood that they need to start doing this and I know. see what they say. I mean, that whole thing about paying per visit or paying by month, like everybody pays per month and it never, it's always the wrong decision. I mean, that is like the yeah. classic thing you read about. So thank you, Paul. That was really fun to read about. Now, this week, Elizabeth, our Try This at Home tip, because it is September, is to help our families create better back-to-school habits. Yes. Every year is different, and yeah. every year we have to rethink our family patterns because the, your child is older and can do more. They're involved in different activities, which have different time requirements. Maybe you're even at a new school. So each year you have to kind of reassess how to have good habits. Yeah. And I think the question for all of us is, how can we help children and ourselves, <laughs> frankly, mm -hmm. <laughs> form the habits that will help them handle school without us having to nag or supervise and how to like reduce family conflict and, and kind of the wear and tear that the school year can, can, can create? Now, in my book, Better Than Before, I identify 21 strategies that we can use to make or break our habits. And so there's a ton of strategies that we can use um, for habits and that you can use to help your child. But right now, we're just going to talk about the, some of the ones that are kind of the most popular, the most widely useful. 
Um, this comes up a lot when school starts, if you have older children, is the snooze alarm. And Elizabeth, we have talked about mm. so many snooze alarm management techniques because this is the thing that adults as well as children battle with is uh, the snooze alarm. Eliza has this funny app. I think I talked about it before called Alarmy. It's like alarm E uh, with mm-hmm. a Y. And so for her to turn off her alarm, she has to do math problems. Oh, and that wakes her up. And that forces her to wake up because you really have to like wake up. In order, and they're hard. Like I cannot do them, but you can set it to do, you can pick the task that works for you. So you can choose the task and she's pretty good at math. So hers are pretty hard, but that's, it, it, she can't turn it off unless she can do the math. And by then you're, you're so wide awake. Um, you're like, okay, I might as well get up. So alarming. I just need to, I have to start Jack on an alarm clock. Right now we're still in the me sort of, you know, nudging him and, oh, and, and but, shouting at him. But, but so here's, up. here's the thing though. I remember reading and I thought that this was very, seen really rang true for me was somebody said that you don't want the first your first encounter with your child every day to be you trying to get them to wake up because that's just like a very annoying thing. And so it's better mm-hmm. to have it just like sometimes like they'll do things for a teacher that they won't do for you. It's like better to have an impersonal thing, like an alarm to wake up a child because you don't want to have the burden of being that annoying voice. And I thought that was really true. Like, yes, uh, okay, I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to do that. Yeah. And then Gretchen, um, there's the strategy of monitoring. Yeah. And this is like, figure out how long something actually takes to do, like really monitor because people, we often have a fantasy, like it takes me 20 minutes to get to school. And it's like, it says who, like that you're just made that up and kind of living by it. And when Eleanor started walking to school by herself, I said to her, really time yourself from the front door Mm. to your classroom. So you really know how long it takes. Now, and this is funny. I think this will sound weird to people who don't live in New York City. She has an elevator (laughs) in her school. Um, and like, if <laughs> she's so funny, isn't that weird? Um, and she, and like Jack eats outside. I was like, where's your lunchroom? And he's like, we just eat outside. It's just so the differences between our children's classrooms are so funny. But so it's like, she either has to walk up nine flights or she has to take an elevator and there's a huge long line for the elevator. And so I'm mm. like, you really need to time it. How long does it take if you're walking? How long does it take if you take the elevator? Because, you know, if you really want to be on time, it could make a big difference in sort of like what time you need to leave the house. Yeah, this, Gretchen, I realized this last year because um, I would always think how long it takes to get ready is like me getting ready at the same time that Jack was getting ready if I was the one driving him to school. Yeah. But of course, very often I'm sort of getting ready and then once again, nudging him to get ready. Yeah. So I really need to account for a double time. Right, right. It's not, it's not necessarily simultaneous. It might be more right. like sequential. <laughs> yes. Here's something that has been really helpful for me, and that's the strategy of distinctions. And that is to remember that you and your child might form habits in very different ways. And we can't Mm. assume just because something works for me that it could work for you. Like some children want to, they really honestly do a better job of doing their homework in the kitchen. Whereas like Mm. I would always have to be like, um, you know, in a quiet room. I can't work in the middle of everything, but some people do better. And here's something where I realized that I was very annoying unnecessarily to my children. So especially Eliza, but Eleanor too, they like to work on their bed. They have their laptop on their lap and they've got their feet out in front of them in bed and they're working. And I would say, you can't work like that, get at a desk. And I would just (laughs) pester them. I'm like, you can't work like that, get at a desk. And And even though they were saying to me, this is the way I prefer to work. And the only thing that changed my mind was I went to WeWork you know, the group workplace. And they have mm-hmm. these special couches, which are basically like a long couch that stretches outward. There's not like a separate footstool. It's just like a long chair with a very long front. Mm-hmm. 
So basically, you're sitting in it with your legs outstretched, just as if you were sitting in a bed, only it's a chair because you're in a workplace. And they were full of people working. And I was like, this is how a lot of people like to work. I don't like to work this way. I can't work this way. But that doesn't mean that it's not perfectly satisfying for other people to work. And so I should just respect that they have a different habit from me. Like, why should I be the boss of the world? Yeah, I think this is one of the best strategies because it is really easy to push onto your kid what works for you. Yeah. Um, so this one I think is great. Yeah, yeah. I'm a bed worker. I work in bed. See? Um, I've seen my new you- thing is working on a chair out by the fire pit. Ah. Like having the fire pit going, having my feet stretched out by, by the fire pit. Um, I love that. So that's my new place. But see, and I couldn't do that. In a million years, I could not do that. But again, it's like, and I've seen you work like that. So it's like, <laughs> obviously, people are, are thriving at work, working on their beds or with their legs outstretched. So it's just, it's just it didn't even occur to me, um, I'm embarrassed to say. Um, I, just, I just took it for granted. Everybody must work at a desk. No, they don't need to. Um, and then, Gretchen, there's the strategy of other people. <laughs> this is the thing to remember. If you want your children to adopt a habit, adopt the habit yourself. We pick up habits from other people. So if you want them to be organized in the morning, be organized ourselves. If we want them to go to sleep on time, we have to go to sleep on time ourselves. If we want them to put down their devices and read a book, we got to put down our devices ourselves. Yep, this is so true. I mean, I know (laughs) if I'm going to bed, Jack will go to bed, whatever the time. Yeah. Uh, But as long as other people are up, he feels, well, why shouldn't he be up? Right. We really pick up habits from other people. And so it can be for the better or it can be for the worse. So, yeah. Yes. Be the model of the behavior that you want to see. Let us know if you do try this at home and what strategies you use to build good back-to-school habits for you and your family. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. That's happiercast.com slash 238 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a library happiness hack. The first is break. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, his retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And, Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com happier. That's storyworth.com happier to save $10 on your first purchase. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Elizabeth, here is a terrific hack. I love this hack. Yeah, this is made for you, Gretchen. It comes from Tara. She says, I wanted to share with you one of my 19 for 2019 goals. I am a huge fan of libraries, and I usually try to visit a local branch whenever I travel. I live in Sacramento, and I decided that one of my goals for 2019 would be to visit all 28 branches of the Sacramento Public Library System, which encompasses all of Sacramento County, stretching nearly 60 miles between the two outlying branches. My goal at each branch is to simply spend a few minutes browsing and to find at least one book to check out. The great thing is that I can return books to any branch within the system. Mm. As of today, I have visited 26 of the 28 branches. It's been a great way for me to see areas of Sacramento that I probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. Most of the time I was on my own, but for a few branches, my husband and or daughter were with me. My daughter has really enjoyed seeing the different children's sections at different branches. One branch had a scrapbooking station set up for kids, which occupied her for almost an hour while I read nearby. Score. (laughs) That's so fun. It's so fun. So it encourages reading, which is great. It encourages you to get to know your city, which is excellent and something a lot of people want. It's a fun adventure and it has that quest element. I think a lot of times yes. it's like, I want to, you know, you know, eat at every diner in my city or visit, you know, every major league sports venue. And I love this visit every branch of your city. That's so great. Yeah, I can't even imagine how many there must be in New York, Gretchen. That would keep you busy for years. Yeah, or LA. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And this is that whimsy. I love the whimsy. So fun. So fun. Thank you, Tara. That is a great hack. And now we are going to get to talk to Marie Forleo. Marie Forleo is a coach, a speaker, an author, and host of a wildly popular web TV show called Marie TV, where she explores the ideas, tools, and strategies to help people create a business and life they love. And she's the host of the Marie Forleo podcast, and she's the founder of B-School, an online business school. As if that's not enough, she has a brand new book. Everything is figureoutable. How one simple belief can help us overcome any obstacle and create unstoppable success. Well, that sounds good. Excellent. So, Marie, welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, and you're actually here in the studio, which is great. It's a delight. I know. I love getting to be face-to-face. This is so fun. I feel like you and I have, we've had so many friends in common and so many people in common when we finally met at the Random House event. I was like, Gretchen. I know. It was was kind (laughs) of, I knew all about you. It was sort of weird to realize that we'd never actually met face-to-face. Yeah. 
Yeah. Marie, you say that everything is figure outable, <laughs> which is a great word. Yes. Thank you. What does that mean exactly? And how is it figure outable? Sure. So it means in really simple terms that things are achievable or solvable or resolvable or able to be transformed or transcended. So that's my belief. And um, in terms of the how, we can go in any direction y'all want to go, but the whole book is about that. Right. Yes. Is about um, kind of breaking things down and understanding also, of course, making the distinction between what you can control, what you can't control. Yes. You know, when I was first writing the book, funny story, I was uh, out to brunch with friends and one of my friends has an eight-year-old son and they were asking me, oh, what's the title of your book? What's it about? And I said, uh, the title is Everything is Figure Outable. And her eight-year-old son piped up and said, no, it's not. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so that prompted me to make up a set of three rules, which kind of helps us create a mental container yeah. through which we can use this idea for its intended purposes, which is to help us create growth and change in our lives and in the lives around us. Rule number one is this. All problems are figure-outable. All problems are dreams. Rule number two, if a problem is not figure-outable, it's not a problem. It's a fact of life. Oh, For example, death, gravity, laws of nature, right. taxes. Right. Rule number three, you may not care enough to solve this particular problem or reach this particular dream, and that's okay. Oh, yes. Find something that you are deeply committed to and go back to rule number one. Uh-huh. So it allows us to then go, okay, here are the rules of play. How can I then use this idea to really develop my own ability to persevere, to be um, industrious, to be creative, and to move ahead on whatever is most important to me? Now, for you personally, yes, like applying this rule, what was the biggest thing where you were like, I know this is figure outable, but this is like a tough nut for me to crack? You know, I think it always shows up for me around relationships. You know, there in what way? In in a way, this is probably like six or seven years ago. I've been in a relationship with my partner Josh for 16 years. And we hit, you know, like most couples do, rough spots along the way. And there was one particular patch where he basically sat down and he's like, I don't think I love you anymore. And I was Ooh. just like, and by the way, that wasn't just out of the blue. That was after fights and, you know, all of the quabbling and blah, blah, blah. It was also at a particular time where um, my stepson, um, his son, was about to leave for college. There was like oh. a whole mm. confluence of sure. big life-changing events happening at the same time. In addition to me working tremendously hard, you know, uh, still kind of stuck in the, the scrappy first days of my business, the habits that I built then. Yeah. of working nonstop and never really evolving from that. So anyway, I remember when Josh said that to me and it was such a pit in my stomach, but I, I didn't believe it to be true. I believed that we had problems that we needed to work through, but that they indeed were figure outable. Uh -huh. Not that the mm. figure outing was necessarily going to be the continuation of our relationship. That's a key point. Ah. I wasn't attached to the outcome. I was just attached to us figuring out whether this relationship had run its full course uh -huh. or if we were meant to stay together. Does that make sense? So it's so yes. saying that everything is outable doesn't mean that you always get the solution. You always don't get the result you want. It just means that you will be able to reach a result, a satisfactory result. Not even satisfactory. I think a result that you can actually see is the best yes. for you right. in terms of your own right. growth, in terms of your own maturity, in terms right. of your own ability to contribute. I'll give you um, an example mm. from a woman who had heard my Oprah talk, which is titled Everything is Figureoutable. Yeah. 
on Oprah's podcast. And she listened to it and she wrote us an email. She said, Marie, I really loved your talk. It's a lesson that my mom has been trying to teach me forever. In fact, I had her listen to it. We both thought it was amazing. But then everything changed. My beautiful mom, who's like my best friend, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Uh And nothing seemed figure outable. Uh-huh. She said, but then when I stepped back and really looked more deeply at what was true, it still was. For example, I could find nursing care for my mom who lived in a rural area. I could find foods that she could actually tolerate. And I could get medical equipment so that she could spend her last days and in fact, the last five weeks of her life where she wanted to be in her home. Mm-hmm. So she said, I can now say without a doubt that everything is figure outable. Mm. And thank you for sharing right. this idea right. that made a difference to two people on the other side of the world. Right, 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 right. So it really is, it's not that there has to be this happy ending, but you can make whatever situation it is work the best that it can work. Yes. Well, yeah. And, and you know, happy is such a subjective right. word. Yeah. Yeah. Because yes. I think that we can as still, we know. as we know, <laughs> you, can, you can really face some hard truths in lives, yes. and you can still find a sense of fulfillment yes. and meaning, including those hard things. Mm. So it really, it changed a completely different way of looking at the situation. Yes. So if you are trying to figure something out, what are sort of the first steps that you you go through? It's like that kind of identify the problem or sort of... I think so. Like, and, yeah. and it's about being crystal clear about what is the most important thing for mm-hmm. you to figure out. Right. You know, I would not recommend for anyone who's not really accustomed to you know, really attacking their problems or their dreams in this way. Like, don't right. try and figure out 15 things. Right. <laughs> <Do> you, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of us have really big appetites for change. And we're like, we want to get the most fit of our life. Yes. We want to get the most organized. And we want to change our career. And we want to make our relationship the best it can be. And yeah. oh, by the way, you have I want to. <laughs> you have a great list of these in the book <laughs> about all the kind of out of ambition, you yes. sort of trip over your own feet because you set a goal that's so huge, or like or you're too so many in, of them, or you're so impatient that yes. it's like I can't even start because I should be done by now. Yeah. So I think yeah. number one, um, and is to choose one, choose yeah. one that is ultimately important to you, whether it's a problem you want to solve or a dream you want to achieve, choose one and something that you want to begin within the next year, meaning right. like right now. Well, another idea that you talk about in the book that I love was um, start before you're ready, which yes. is sort of related to this. What Absolutely. do you mean by that exactly? I think for all of us, we can kid ourselves and going like, oh, I'm not ready to do that yet. Like, I'll be ready to start going Mm -hmm. to the gym, you know, after Christmas, or I'll be ready (laughs) to start writing, you know, once I get on, um, I don't know, fall break or something like that. And one of the great tricks I use in every area of my life is to start before I'm ready, Mm. to start before I think I'm ready, to learn through the act of doing rather than through theory or through conceptualizing or doing what a lot of us do these days. Too much research. I call it research disguise or procrastination (laughs) Mm -hmm. disguises research, I should say. Yeah. One of my secrets of adult is that working is one of the most dangerous forms of procrastination (laughs) because it does, it feels productive. Yes. And it, but it can be endless. Yeah, absolutely. It also reminds me of something we say all the time, don't let the perfect be the enemy of good. Just do something. Yes. So starting before you're ready is also a wonderful way to move right through fear. Like you'll still feel it and that's fine. That's human. You're never not going to feel fear. Right. Um, But to start before you're ready really kicks your butt into action. And once you take action, you start to get momentum. And momentum is like this secret superpower that can make almost anything happen. Right. And as Alyssa likes to say, uh, action is the antidote to anxiety. So a lot of times you're very anxious about getting started, but just getting started itself 
gets you over that anxiety because you're like, well, at least now I'm, 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 it's underway and yeah. it becomes a process. We yeah. actually have that in the book. Action is the antidote oh. to fear. Oh, interesting. Yes. So same philosophy. It yeah. really is because most of the time, once we get into action of doing something, we yes. get engaged, everything starts to melt. Yes. We're like, this is actually fun. I'm learning. I'm growing. I can figure this out. Right. And even if things are going wrong, like I see how I can correct. It's not just this fantasy. Now, I know you took the four tendencies quiz. Yes. So, dun dun, dun tell everybody your <laughs> tendency. You actually know the phraseology better than I do. Yeah. You I and just, I are the same. Which we are is upholders. Upholders. There we go. Yeah. Which means we readily meet outer and inner expectations. Now, sometimes upholders can seem rigid because they get an idea in their head, they get a to-do list, they get a calendar, and it's very hard for them to move off of that. Yes. Or to take time to answer other people's questions or to give other people accountability. They get very impatient. They're like, can't everybody just manage themselves? Do you ever (laughs) suffer from feelings like that? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. When haven't I? I think, again, those can show up um, most profoundly, I think, on the personal side. Yeah. I must work Mm -hmm. with, like, my team must be a lot of upholders because— They're very good at, you know, meeting their own deadlines and kind of pushing things ahead on their own, which is why I think we all get along so well. Uh-huh. But in on the personal side, I'm like, what is going on? Like, do I need to be a boss everywhere? Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, and we always ask our guests for a tread this at home. Do you have a practical, concrete yes. idea for how people can be happier starting tomorrow? What's Absolutely. Your- um, it's a little mantra that I use to support myself. It's called create before you consume. Ooh, Mm -hmm. explain. So in this environment, in our modern day age, where most of us are spending way too much time on our phones, there's so much incoming in terms of social, email, news, you name it. Mm -hmm. It can be habitual and you don't even recognize it. It's almost invisible to us that we are consuming the work of other people. We are consuming the ideas, the agendas, the influence of others. Images. Everything. Yeah. Before we are actually intentionally creating the work, the life that we desire. So concrete example, before I'm going to consume my email inbox or consume my social feed, I can take 15 minutes to actually create a calmer, more peaceful me through meditation. Um, Before I go consuming, let's say, you know, any television show, can I create my next best work, which would be 45 minutes on a writing project or something like that. So it's really this very simple practice to create before you consume so that you're paying attention to your highest priorities rather than just habitually sucking in all of the produced work of other people. I love that. And I love it because it's not like, don't look at your phone. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's just positive. Create something first. Correct. And what for you is the biggest um, temptation? Is it email? Is it is it scrolling? Is I think it TV? It's, it's different at different times of the day. Like one Ooh, of it really is. I feel that like- is a great point. <laughs> People don't talk about that. The, the 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 distraction changes as you move because different parts of day have different distractions. They really do. And yeah. uh, for me, particularly at night, like I just love my Street Easy app. I just call I call it real estate porn. I just love looking mm. at real estate. I love seeing different. It's like I have no interest in buying another apartment or anything like that. But I just like to see what's on the market. And I'm like, is this really the best use of my time right now? <laughs> that usually happens at night. Ah, uh, and so do you sort of have an idea of like this is kind of like 
the reasonable amount. And after that, it's starting to... Yeah, it's fun. Like I have yeah. conversations with myself, depending on how challenging <laughs> the day was. I'll be like, girl, you just take a few minutes and scan that lower Manhattan. You're fine. Yeah. You did a lot of creating yeah. today. You yeah. can have this 15 minutes in your little app. It's cool. Right. Oh, yeah. that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, Marie, thanks so much for coming in. I know how busy you are. You've got so many things going on. It's so fun to talk to you about how everything is figure outable. Thank you so much to you both you, for Marie. having me on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Coming up, Gretchen's got a gold star for her daughter, Eliza, but first this break. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, it is time for demerits and gold stars, and we take turns giving a demerit or a gold star. And Elizabeth, this is your week to give a demerit. Yes. And Gretchen, I have to tell you, this is such an amateur demerit. I know better than this. I had no business having this So, so many demerits are like that, though. We know better. Yes. That's well, true. It, it, it's always the same ones over and over. <laughs> so I mentioned that Sarah and I threw the Happier in Hollywood um, Q&A cocktail party. Yes. And I gave myself a gold star for that. Well deserved. there's also a demerit attached. Because we had so much food left. Um, You know, it was our first time throwing one of these. We didn't know how much food to get. And we got way too much, of course. And there were chips left, cheese, crackers. Yes, fruit. But, you know, that wasn't the problem so much. There were cake pops left over. Now, Gretchen, I have to tell you, I ended up eating cake pops for the next several days, plus Mm. many pita chips Mm -hmm. and regular chips. Mm -hmm. And I know better. Like, I should have known, okay, I have 16 cake pops here. Mm -hmm. What should be done with them? Of Mm -hmm. course, I felt like it would be wasteful to throw them out. Sarah didn't want to take them. She took, like, one for Violet. Mm -hmm. And then she was free of all that, whereas I kept it and I know that I can't resist a cake pop if it's in my fridge. So not good for my journey. You know, my number six theme of the year was not helped by any of this leftover food. So I just need to know that when I entertain, I have to deal with the leftovers in an appropriate way. Now, it does feel wrong, I think, to to throw away good food. Um, so what, what do you think you could do next time to handle this, this problem? One thing I could have done was send people home with the stuff. Cause I think it was a lot of times it's young people who yeah, want that's cake true. pops. That's true. You that's know, true. so I could have just said, here, take four yes. cake pops for the road. Yes. Um, here, take a Ziploc bag full of pita chips. Yes. And I could have gotten rid of so much of this and the, and the people getting it would have been happy to have it. Yes. So yeah. I think that's what I need to do next time is just 
not let people leave until um, everything is gone. But then also you, you, this was the first time you threw it. You erred on the side of having more food, which is good hospitality. But next time you'll yes. know. We'll have much less food. Yeah, right. Good. Yes. So that's my demerit. I ate many cake pops. Um, not good. But, you know, the strategy of safeguards is you should learn from failure. A stumble may prevent a fall. And so now that you've learned from some cake pops and that will help you (laughs) march forward in the future for better health. Okay, Gretchen, that's my demerit. What is your gold star this week? So I am giving a gold star to my daughter, Eliza. Eliza loves Parmesan cheese and um, and cheese. And so for years, without even realizing I was doing it, I kept saying to her, you should take a cheese class. You should take a cheese class. And finally, she started making fun of me for doing that. And then for Christmas, most recently in my stocking, she cut out of cardboard like this little star shape and decorated decorated it with Christmas stickers and said, like, good for one cheese class uh, at Murray's with you at a time and date of your choosing. And so she was basically saying, I'll go to a cheese class because (laughs) you should take a cheese class. You keep talking about cheese class. You should go to a cheese (laughs) class. So, okay, she gave that to me for Christmas. It finally, we did it at the end of the summer, right before she went back to college. And so we, I signed us up for Murray's Cheese Class 101. Murray's, by the way, if you are in New York City, it is the famous cheese shop. It's this fantastic cheese shop. They sell cheese. They make cheese. They know everything about cheese. It's, it, it's tied to my interest in the five senses because I'm really trying to tap much more into my sense of taste, my sense of smell, mm. um, appreciating um, my senses much better. And it was beautiful. It was like 20 people. It was packed. And they had uh, this kind of slate plate with seven cheeses. I'll post a picture of like what what they presented to us. And we had a cheesemonger standing up there and he would tell us about (laughs) all the cheese. Turns out I love triple chev. Um, Mm. So, yeah, good to know. And it was just super fun. And I thought Eliza, it it was just such a fun thing for her to pick up on the fact that I kept proposing this and to think like, well, if you keep proposing it, maybe you'd like to do it. And it was just this fun mother-daughter outing. You know, we just went out, ate a bunch of cheese, (laughs) came home. And so anyway, it was just, it was a great evening, a great adventure and a gold star to Eliza. Yay, Eliza. Yes. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Help you and your family develop good back-to-school habits. Let us know what you tried and what worked for you. Thanks to our wonderful guest, Marie Forleo. Check out her new book, Everything is Figureoutable, and her podcast, The Marie Forleo Podcast. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, our engineer, Bob Tabador, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, tickets are now on sale for our live events this fall. Visit GretchenRubin.com slash events for dates, ticket links, details. And if you want to work better than before, download my free PDF at GretchenRubin.com slash resources for a list of tips and strategies for your work habits. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. So Gretchen with the cake pops, Adam eventually threw them out. I went to get one and the box was gone. And I looked in the trash and it was there um, with some smashed cake pops. So he, he was, he finally um, saw reason and threw them out. He decided he needed to save you from yourself. Yeah. <laughs>
from the Onward Project.